Hello and welcome to Local Voices for Sustainability, the ECLA Europe podcast. I'm your host, Laura Schubert. Each episode, we explore the sustainability transformations taking place in our member cities across Europe. Today, we're headed to a city with winding canals, picturesque bridges, and remarkably well-preserved medieval architecture. Declared the European Youth Capital for 2024, this university city has been an ECLE member since 2014, and it was the winner of ECLE's Transformative Action Award in 2018. Our city in the spotlight today aims to reach climate neutrality by 2050, and it's got a clear game plan to get itself there. I'm talking about the Belgian city of Ghent. Joining me today is Hannelore Hedemann, who is a policy officer for the city of Ghent. Her work is centered around Ghent on Guard, Ghent's sustainable food strategy, which is a key part of its plans for climate neutrality. That's right, today we are finally speaking about food and the role that it plays in the development of a sustainable city. Hannelore, we are delighted to have you with us. Welcome to the show. Hi, Laura. So I love a good metaphor. And since we'll be speaking about food today, I thought we could look at our conversation like a three-course meal. All right. We'll have an appetizer, then a main course, and finally dessert. So let's say we're, we're seated here at our metaphorical restaurant. The waiter has just placed the bread basket on the table. And here comes our appetizer. Are you ready? I'm totally ready. Great. Okay. So I'd like to begin by looking into the past. I've only given our listeners a very brief introduction to you because I wanted to give you that opportunity. Can you tell us about some of your previous positions and how they are influencing or inspiring the food policy work you're doing now? Well, Laura, first, uh, I had my training as a social worker, so I have a master's degree in social work. Sure. And I've uh, worked as a policy officer in youth social work, and I also worked as a community worker. So outreaching work with children and young people in poverty all over Flanders. But I also have a chef's degree. <laughs> so I, um, I gave cooking classes and I've worked in a catering business and in a city agriculture project. Mm. And for some years, I have been combinating two of those different jobs. And now... I have the opportunity to combine those separate experiences in this feast living lab. So as a policy officer, I hope I can make the difference mm -hmm. with both my experiences. Brilliant. And do you feel like the past experiences of holding those jobs have directly influenced the way that you write food policy today? It certainly does. I already had a passion for sustainable food and working with ingredients that were grown locally. Mm -hmm. And I'm convinced that it is possible to make it accessible for people in poverty. So that's my passion coming into practice. So can you lay it out for us? How exactly can local food policies contribute to the sustainability of a city? So like, how do they fit into the goal of climate neutrality? Well, the city of Ghent has the ambition to be climate neutral by 2050. Our food strategy is a full part of that plan. So we made up a climate plan and a food strategy, and they both were drawn up with the relevant stakeholders. We look at food policy holistically, involving actors from the entire chain, from agriculture to customers, 
And all of these stakeholders are um, represented in the Food Council. So together with them, we set up uh, objectives. This uh, food policy not only provides as a framework for all Ghent initiatives dealing with food, it also provides a framework for the city departments themselves. So that's the way the food policy is being institutionalized in our organization. Mm -hmm. Mm, I can give you an example. To make school meals and a meals for daycare centers of the city network, uh, the way we do it, it is really an example of how to put in the strategy into practice. Okay, so strategy into practice, yeah. Yes, correct. So I'd like to talk about Ghent on Guard. I think uh, that's a really a central focal point of our conversation today, in addition to the Feast project, which we'll get to uh, later on. So let's call this the beginning of our main course, if you will. So I understand that the strategy targets overall diet and food behavior. Can you explain for us how you approach the challenge of shifting food behavior and all the sociocultural health and sustainability aspects that are rolled up into that challenge? It's a very interesting question. We not only want to inform Gen citizens, mm. but we also want to change their behavior towards a healthier and more sustainable diet. So for this, we have very different tools. And above all, we cannot do this alone. And it also requires a different strategy depending on the target group we are uh, working for. So let me give you a recent example. Great. So in Ghent, there are nine social restaurants spread across different districts of the city. In those restaurants, anyone can eat a daily dish on any weekday, but different prices are applied here. For instance, you pay less if your income is below a certain limit. That way, we make it possible for people in poverty to consume a daily meal. But because anyone can eat in that restaurant, low-income people are not stigmatized and are a full part of the community of customers. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, now those restaurants at this time, they are guided to ensure that healthy and sustainable dishes are on the menu. So our impact strategy includes not only the education and training of kitchen staff to ensure that customers actually choose the new dishes, they are also making adjustments in the restaurant itself. So for example, by placing the healthy dishes in a buffet first, sales will increase. Mm, okay. Yeah, and also the very name of a dish can have a big impact. So tell me. Also, buku of celeriac, cremolata of walnut, and lemon with fennel salad and orange. It sounds much more appealing than the vegetarian option, isn't it? Mm, true. So it's also <laughs> about nudging as well. Okay. Yeah. How it's, how it's being framed, how it's being presented is just as important as the contents, I suppose. Exactly. So within a city, it's possible to find a number of food environments. These are places where humans interact and make decisions about their diet and food consumption behavior. An example could be a fresh food market, a school canteen, a fast food restaurant. In your opinion, what makes a food environment both healthy and resilient? A food environment, you have to have like three ways to get your food. It's uh, not only what is offered there but also the food that is being served in restaurants or in school meals, and also what is the things that you see in your environment. Mm. So is there a uh, 
probably a possibility to grow your own vegetables and can you see it? Or is there a lot of advertisements of junk foods? All those things have an influence on um, the way you make your food decisions. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, I do think that people come into contact with a lot of things in different places and also social media has a lot of influence recently. So it is hard to say which environment has the most impact on your food choices. And I believe that it also depends on a number of personal indicators, such as your cooking skills, your amount of time you have to consume or to prepare a meal. For example, as well, how much infrastructure do you have at home? Do you have a proper refrigerator? Do you have a microwave, an oven? <laughs> so as a local government, you do not have impact on everything. Oh, brilliant. Okay. So Ghent is a partner and a living lab city in the EU Horizon Project FEAST. FEAST's objective is to make healthier and more sustainable diets accessible for all citizens in Europe. It especially considers vulnerable groups like children, the elderly, and low-income households. When we speak about fresh and healthy diets, we see the challenge that low-income households face regarding the affordability and the accessibility of fresh, sustainable, and healthy food. How do you approach this conflict in Ghent? Well, a number of systems have been institutionalized uh, to provide food to low-income people. On the one hand, there's the material emergency where food is also redistributed. For this, the establishment of food savers has brought much change. Poverty organizations are supplied by food savers with qualitative and healthy surpluses from department stores, food companies, and from the auction. So food savers are like, they're people who are groups who come in and save the food that would otherwise be thrown out or? No, it's more on a B2B level. Okay. So it's a distribution platform and they really go to the auction the vegetable auction where farmers... Oh, like an actual auction? Yeah, yeah, Person yeah. with a gavel? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. They really go there twice a week to, to pick up all the surpluses there. They redistribute it to all poverty organizations in Ghent. It's one example. Another one is the example I gave of the recognized social restaurants. So they offer that double pricing system and that is funded by the city. For those two systems that I now told you about, people in poverty can avail of these on referral from social services. So that is already an existing. But what we have seen in recent years is that there's a bottom-up movement uh, underway. Hospitality businesses and midfield organizations, but as well as farmers, are setting up their own systems uh, to reach out to people in poverty. Mm -hmm. For instance, uh, there's a network of hearty places. It's uh, catering establishments, just normal catering establishments, where you are welcome to have a cozy time without consuming. In those places, customers can buy an extra soup or coffee or a dish of the day, and they buy it for somebody else. And through a ticket, someone with less financial means, they can get this consumption on another time. So it is called like a delayed coffee or a delayed soup. Right, right. That's one example, but we have lots more. 
now there is a restaurant where the daily dish is with a, you can pay there as you can. So it's a free contribution and it works. They have figured out a business plan and it works. And another example, we have six CSA farms, the community supported agriculture. And there, the members of those farms, they uh, contribute more mm -hmm. to make it possible that people in poverty can get a subscription at a lower rate. Okay, so everybody, regardless of their income level, has access to healthy, affordable produce. Yes, yes. As a city, we try to support these initiatives where necessary. So on the one hand, through the Food Council's grant for innovative projects. And on the other hand, we are helping these initiatives to be on the map, literally and figuratively. We're helping them to network with other initiatives so they fit in what they are doing. Okay. So the support then that is coming from the city, it's primarily, correct me if I'm wrong, financial support that supports essentially existing initiatives or things that are happening within the community? The financial support is done by a yearly... Like a grant. Like a grant, okay. yeah. It's our food council, in fact, that owns that money. Mm -hmm. And they every year they decide on which projects they will give the grant. We see recently that there's a lot of projects applying for that grant that uh, want to provide sustainable food for people in poverty. More than that, we want to deploy them in places where we want to have an impact on the food environment. Mm. So there we can we can influence a bit. Uh, so it's not only by that financial support, but by setting up the networks in the neighborhoods where we see that the need is high. Your answer really, it touches on my, my next question exactly. I mean, through through the policy work that you're doing in Ghent, as well as through the FEAST project specifically, a key priority seems to be co-creation and the idea of this, this really this bottom-up approach to creating a better food system. Can you tell us about Ghent's experience specifically with co-creation within the scope of sustainable food? Well, I go back to my previous job uh, as a community worker. We used uh, a quote from Gandhi, and it is, whatever you do for me, but without me, you do against me. Okay. So it means that we do not launch any initiative without involving people in poverty in the process from the beginning on. So, for example, we have a collaboration throughout the Living Lab with a poverty expert by experience. That is someone who lived in poverty but is trained now to advise us policymakers and social workers. So he ensures that in every step of the project, we think from the frame of reference of someone in poverty. And I really work in tandem with this expert at every stage of the project. Mm -hmm. Another example is at this moment, uh, we do participatory observations in the neighborhoods where we want to set up actions. Participating in food distribution, for example, or cooking with a group, all of these experiences are particularly instructive and they say so much more than the best PowerPoint presentation made ever. Yeah, sure. So these actions, that's the interventions uh, we want to set up within the Living Lab in the future. They are immediately developed together with our target group we work for. And, uh, for example, introducing a solidarity price system at a farmer's market, it can only work if we devise 
and develop it together with all partners. And what's the solidarity price system? Well, that's a system based on those hearty places that I told you before that is already existing in the hospitality industry. We want to put it into practice at, for example, a farmer's market. So you as a customer, you can go there and buy, for example, six free-range eggs, but you can pay 12. Mm -hmm. And then those other six eggs are meant for somebody else. Okay. So like that model, you're really taking it out of the restaurant and trying to implement it in those places where there are other food landscapes. Yes, correctly. That's, that is our aim. Okay. The last question I have for you here before we move on to the next part of our conversation is, can you explain for us quite simply, what makes a dish healthy and sustainable? Well, it's all about love. Okay. <laughs> healthy and sustainable dishes, they are prepared with love. All of the ingredients were grown with love for nature. The farmer was paid in a fair wage. And they are made with love for your body, so you can taste it in a dish. Quite simply. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't need to be more complicated than that, it no. sounds like. <laughs> so at this point, you've illuminated some of the key aspects of the sustainable food policy conversation. We've heard about shifting food behavior, resilient food landscapes, the importance of co-creation, and the ongoing challenge to make healthy food both affordable and accessible. This brings us to the final segment of our show. Let's call this our dessert. All right. So we usually call this section or this segment hot takes, but today we're going to call it sweet bites. <laughs> I'm going to ask you a number of short questions, and I'm looking for a brief instinctual response. Okay? Sound good? Yes, sounds great. Great. So what is an ingredient you love working with? <laughs> <laughs> You mean literally in a dish? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm the queen of the leftovers in the fridge. Okay, okay. Nice. <laughs> I don't like working with the recipe. I just see what I see and then I do my thing with it. Okay, so it's whatever whatever you find in your fridge is the, ing the ingredients you love working with. Yes, Got yes. It. In a typical Belgian diet, what is the percentage of plant-based foods? Oh, not a lot. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The classic uh, Belgian dish contains of meat, potatoes, and vegetables. Okay, so it's a, a small percentage of plant-based foods then. Yes, yes, yes. What is one change you've witnessed since you started the implementation of Ghent's new food strategy? The number of very small initiatives all over the city, and especially the creativity of them. Oh, Okay. Can you, can you give us a, a brief example of one of those? Uh, for example, you have already, I've told you about the, the surplus food that is uh, being distributed by food savers. Mm -hmm. There's an organization who works with the leftovers of the surplus food and they make like spreads and soups and they've trained themselves in spe specific conservation methods and they resell it now hmm. to everybody. They have also a double pricing system. It's a really small initiative in one neighborhood, but it's so inspiring. Oh, that's great. Wow. You're seeing, you're seeing, uh, you're seeing the ripple effect of, yes. uh, of the work that you're doing. That's yes, brilliant. Exactly. So bringing the food strategy to life has been a collaborative effort. 
Which voices did you want to make sure were part of that process? For me, it was really important to involve all those social organizations. Oh, okay. We have them now represented in the Food Council. Within the FEAST project, now we have like a separate working group within the Food Council, and it gives us really qualitative time to dig in deeper on that topic. Do you like junk food? No. <laughs> okay, okay. No, I don't. But uh, I do like the French fries, but then I make them myself. <laughs> oh, very nice. And are they fried or are they baked? They are fried twice, the Belgian way. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So if you could change Ghent's food system overnight, what would be one change you would love to see? Oh, wow. That we have an equal offer in every neighborhood that fits the people of that neighborhood. Yeah, that would be, that would be wonderful. There's still some places in Ghent where there's like nothing. What do you mean by that? There's nothing. Nothing uh, of uh, retail, of market or restaurants. So you have, it's called the food desert. Okay, so this is like, like a suburbia of some sort? Yeah, yeah. The, the neighborhood that I am thinking of is more like high-race buildings. Okay. So people living there, they have to walk like more than one kilometer to get, uh, to get proper food. So if, we are, if I, in my job, I would be able to change something there, I would be, I would be so happy. Oh, nice. Something to work towards. Yes. <laughs> what city is doing some food policy work that you find exciting or interesting? Ah, the thing that Rotterdam is doing. <laughs> so they work on uh, one street where there's a, uh, that's, I think it's called like what we detect as a food swamp, where there's a lot of fast food and they want to work through the owners of the buildings. So a fast food change cannot rent a building. So they try to influence the legislation of uh, owners of, of those buildings. So that is really inspiring because we have like similar streets here in Ghent uh, where there's a lot of offer of fast food and it will be inspiring to see how they manage. Would you say that food is a political issue? It certainly does. And we are very happy that it's more on top of the political agenda. It's not easy as a local government. So we were the first ones in Ghent to have a local food strategy. And now we see other cities doing it as well. But still, though, we see other cities like in our region that it's really not obvious to put food on the political agenda. Okay. Yeah, mostly it's seen as something for the industry, farmers, consumers, but not as a political action. So the city doesn't necessarily see its role in making food more sustainable yeah. or it doesn't, yes. it's not making the connection of sustainable city food. Yes. Yes, indeed. What is something you like to cook for yourself when you have a lot of time? Oh, when I have a lot of time, I love making my own pasta, oh. but then like uh, my own ravioli. So with a filling, it takes a lot of time. And I, I think you have two kinds of people. You have people who would throw them out of the window because of it's so nervous. <laughs> or you come zen and it's like a kind of meditation. I'm Obviously, in the seconds. <laughs> okay, okay. Yep. I, I, I certainly know some people where cooking is not a, it's not a, 
a restful activity to do after the working day. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're right. You're one or the other. Okay. And finally, the last question I have for you here. What is a tiny solution for a better food system that we can all adopt by tomorrow? I think if you just buy one ingredient a week from somebody who produced something local, it would be a major change. Mm, Yeah, because probably, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, there's probably a lot of people out there who are not considering buying local when they go grocery shopping. Yeah, yes. Well, that's it. We've made it to the end of our conversation and the end of our metaphorical meal. All right. Hanelora, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us on Local Voices for Sustainability. Today, we've learned that when done right, good food is inclusive, healthy, affordable, and accessible. It's also a necessary link in the chain when it comes to building a more sustainable city. Hanelora, we wish you and the city of Ghent the very best of luck in achieving your climate neutrality goals. It sounds like you're already on a great path. Thank you for having us, Laura. If you would like to learn more about the role of food in the creation of sustainable cities or about the Feast Project, please check out the links in the episode description. If you're enjoying the show thus far, go on and subscribe so you'll be the first to know about future episodes. Thanks for joining us and until next time.